0: Blue wire.
3: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and regular on the show, Matt Brooks. Fellas, how we doing?
2: Doing well today. Doing well. Kind of, I've all moved into my new spot, so that is a relief. Moving as usual sucks, but I'm not moving. I, I'm not moving for a couple of years. I'm done with moving. I've moved too many times in in New York, so so that's where I'm at right now.
1: Matt has lots
3: of hair. Yeah, bad. <laughs> it's got a nice painting on the wall behind them, setting the flow <laughs> right there. Like that's what we like to see. My Moving is terrible. Works.
2: Oh, <laughs> Yeah, okay. my mom's an artist, so uh, that's that's her work right there. I think it was yeah. one of the first paintings she did. So that'll that'll be there. That'll be a fixture of of I think my new setup. So there you go. There it is. There
3: we go. And we are talking Nets trades today. Before we get into a quick reminder, you can always find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But we talked superstars last time. Jack, what are we talking about this time?
1: Well, we've got about, I don't know how many more names on this Google Doc that I've got going on, but there was a semi-superstar that popped up on my timeline today, and that is the superstar at an OKC, Chris Paul. I'll throw this proposal at you guys. We got Chris Paul and Terrence Ferguson coming to the Brooklyn Nets and going back the other way is Garrett Temple, Spencer Dimony, Toyin Prince, Jared Allen, jean Musa, and a 2021 first. 2021 first, sorry. Matt, what are your thoughts on CP to BK?
2: Um, I don't love the undersized backcourt thing. And I think one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot since this playoffs and everything has ended is that you, I think you want to size up more than you want to size down. Like, even the teams in the East, they're a little bit larger. You look at Boston, you think of them as one of the smaller teams. They've got these big wings in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum where you need really, really athletic players. And And a guy like Chris Paul, who I like for certain teams. I like him on Milwaukee. I don't like him next to Kyrie Irving. I think it adds another guy that, you know, look, I know he moves the ball well, but the ball usually starts in his hands. I'm not a fan of it personally.
3: Yeah, same thing over here. Matt and I talked about it a little bit before the show started. Like Chris Paul and Kyrie doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. And based off the playoffs, you want a two-guard that can switch. You want somebody with at least a little versatility. It feels like if you had Paul and Irving in the backcourt, they would just kind of constantly be attacked and you'd have to worry about the defensively. And then not to mention, you know, Chris Paul is making $41 million next season and he has a $44 million option for 21-22, he, which he's going to definitely accept. And I don't, I think you have to take that in con- consideration as well.
1: Yeah, I think age and, you know, if you're looking, if you take the contract side out of it, you know, Chris Paul makes a lot of sense in terms of just having a a guy as a defender on the perimeter to sort of balance out Kyrie Irving's uh, lack of defensive acumen. You know, he's obviously a guy that got attacked quite a bit last season and, you know, obviously Spencer and Karras are average to good in that area when they're on their day. But, you know, Chris Paul has shown time and time again, year after year, even in his current iteration as a veteran, that he still has the savviness, the the intelligence and the acumen to be a really good defender on the perimeter. So, I, I yeah, I think for me it's just a contract and it's a lot of money and maybe the other New York team will pick him up for <laughs> Kevin Knox and Julius Randle, who knows. Um, but this is a Nets pod, so let's keep going with the Nets trade proposals. Another semi-star is Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin was brought up by a bleacher report in this trade and the Nets receive Blake Griffin in return of a Spencer Dinwiddie, Toyn and Prince, and Garrett Temple package. Mr. Brooks, Blake Griffin, BG to BK? Question mark.
2: Um, I mean, if it was like for a flyer, but I, I don't think I would give up Dinwiddie for him. And I'm 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 somebody that doesn't really like to hoard assets. I think like inherently, even if you're not a fan of the team, but you cover a team, you're inherently going to try to. You're gonna overvalue the, your assets a little bit, or the team's assets that you cover or root for. But I have to tell you, like this, I, I draw the line at this pretty uh pretty staunchly. I I just think from Blake Griffin, all the injury concerns are a real thing. You don't know what you're gonna get from him at all. And the the player that you do get, yeah, he's a he's a nice player. I think he would work well next to Kyrie and KD. But I think there's a lot of defensive issues that that pop off right away for me. And I don't know. I just don't think he fills a need whatsoever.
3: Yeah, and I think the injury concern is huge. Like, we don't even know who Blake Griffin's going to be. You know, last year he barely played at all, and those knees are not going to get any better miraculously. And like Matt mentioned, defensively, that's a concern. Like, I don't think he's never been a great defender. And no. after all these injuries, it's not like he's going to magically turn into one. I think this is kind of towards the bottom of the list. The only way I would see this happening is, like, the Nets are really struggling. They're trying to bring in a star and, like, make them pop. Maybe you go with a move like this. But I feel like... There's lesser players in which you could get that would be a better fit for the team and actually help you win a championship. I'm not sure how much Blake Griffin moves the needle in terms of getting you closer to being the best team in the league. Yeah, Uh, I will say,
2: sorry, sorry. Uh, Blake Griffin is also like, he feels like the panic trade, like the panic trade where you're like, oh, we need a star, we need a star. Like he's like probably number one draft pick or two draft pick for that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like what Detroit
3: did in the first
1: place. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's a star name. And I think that the pre, his top iteration of formula, 18, eighteen, nineteen, or like late eighteen, pre playoffs was incredible. He was a top ten, top fifteen player. The way he was playing, all NBA level. But obviously the injuries are play a heavy part. And you don't want a, a third superstar to have injury concerns when you've already got your two best players that have those injury concerns with them as well. So, yeah, this is probably one to, to steer away from. If somehow you can replace Spencer Dimwitty with someone else like Cool and Musa, maybe, why not? But, yeah, you know, Spencer Dimwitty, he's clearly better than... Blake Griffin right now, purely because we don't know what Blake Griffin is going to be when he gets back and Spencer Dinwiddie is such a steady, consistent performer. You know you can rely on him and that reliance is something that the Nets are going to need for next season because, you know, is Kyrie Irving going to play 82 games? Kevin Durant going to play 82 games? Probably not, but Spencer Dinwiddie is generally going to be there night in, night out as he has been for the last two or three years for sure. Uh, Another trade that was brought up by uh, our Bleach Report, and we'll probably get to some more Jared Allen trades, but this Jared Allen trade uh, gets in return for the Brooklyn Nets via Boston. Uh, Robert Williams, Carson Edwards, a 2021 first lottery protected pick. Uh, Matt, what do you think of Jared Allen heading to Boston for that package?
2: That one's interesting. Um, I think it makes sense for Boston, for the Nets, you're just basically getting a worse version of Jared Allen right so yeah. I don't I I like Robert Williams I think he's fine but I just I don't know I mean do they really need a, a lottery protected pick and and Carson Edwards who is I I really am out on Carson Edwards like pretty pretty severely I don't know I mean it makes sense for Boston but I I just like the Nets right now it makes sense if they were if they weren't competing for a title, but like, why are you going to lose a player that's clearly better than what you're bringing in? It just doesn't make sense. It would make sense that they were at a different point in this journey, but they, they aren't at all. Exactly what Matt said.
3: If they were in a rebuild or you know, not at a point of contention, but next year is all in, we're trying to win a championship, this trade doesn't really make sense unless there's a third team, unless the Nets aren't getting Robert Williams and Carson Edwards in that first-round pick, and that's going to another team, and they're getting another player from another team because this doesn't really help them next season. Like Matt mentioned, Robert Williams has showed some promise in the postseason, but he's not ready to give you consistent minutes. He's probably a year or two away that first round pick's not really doing anything for you. And Carson Edwards isn't gonna find minutes in this rotation as is. So I'm not sure why the Nets would pull the trigger on this.
1: Yeah, I think you can get things that are a lot better for Jared Allen in a in a package or even by himself. Obviously, his contractual status, you know, with an extension on the horizon, you know, something certainly to to look at. And obviously with DeAndre Jordan on, you know, $10 million an in inflated deal. You don't necessarily want to have $20, $25 million tied up in centers going forward uh, on your roster. That doesn't necessarily make sense for the salary cap situation for the Nets. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's probably better Jared Allen trades out there. Uh, this probably isn't the best one that I have seen so far. Nick, I didn't necessarily see a trade package for this one, but you brought this up when we saw J.J. Reddick interviewing uh, Steve Nash on his podcast, Old Man and the Three. Now... A package, obviously, he's on about $12 million a season. So whether that's a toy and Prince Spencer Dimwitty, you're not training to the vote for him. Um, do you think that the Nets make a trade for him? Or could you see him as a buyout candidate, actually? Ooh, that's
3: intriguing. I never really thought of him as a buyout unless, like, New Orleans is bad next season. I think they'll still be pretty good, at least in the playoff race. So I think it would have to be a trade. I mean, if you're trading Torian Prince and getting J.J. Redick as, like, a bench piece, I think you have to accept that. I don't know if you want to trade Spencer because he provides you a little bit more versatility. It kind of depends how other things are going. But I was just more so looking at it from the fact that, like, J.J. was really sucking up to, you know, Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, having those guys. And it just felt like he had a lot of positive things to say about Brooklyn and those players and obviously Steve Nash as a coach. So I think there is some interest from J.J. Redick to play with a guy like Kevin Durant or even play under Steve Nash. I don't know if it yep. would happen next season, but it could happen, the, you know, in the offseason if he signs as a free agent.
2: Yeah, and he lives there. So, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, playing things close to home is always is always nice, especially with a Everything that's going on in yeah. in, in the New York they almost signed are with the right Nets now. too already. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I I think it makes. I like the buyout idea a lot. I the thing is, like the West is so competitive. Like when you really map it out and you look at every single team and you can kind of make a case that they've all improved. I don't know. I don't know if I have a spot for New Orleans next year. They kind of feel like the team that everybody's gonna hype up and then fall short. There's always one of those every year, but that that could be completely wrong. They have so much talent. Um, yeah, Maybe I mean, Drew I think,
3: stays or leaves. Like that's a big factor yeah, too. Holidays yeah, yeah, yeah. Traded.
2: Which it's—I don't know. It seems like they're going to really feel out the the market for him. That's that's what that's what it seems like to me. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's—I think it makes sense if it's TP. But anything more, it just—it's going to be hard to match salaries. That's the the Nets have a couple of really movable salaries, but they're players that are legitimately good. So it kind of, like, handicaps you a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you don't want (laughs) to... I don't know. Like, even if Karras and and, and Spencer don't make a ton of sense, they're just both so solid. that It's like, you better get something back. Otherwise, I just don't see the point.
1: Yeah, I I think JJ... Imagine JJ Redick and Joe Harris on the perimeter. Dear Lord, how are you going to stop that? I mean, you probably couldn't play him at the same time. I mean, Joe's good enough defensively. JJ tries hard. He's like... (laughs) an upgraded Kyle Corver in that regard, but he is, you know, in the twilight of his career now. And, but I, I just think it, it just makes me giddy thinking. Of, I mean, Nick, you love your spacing out there. Paces, space deal Lord. Imagine like the pull up threes from those two, it's a five man lineup and you're including JJ Redick and Joe Harris. So man, a man can dream. But yeah, I think it, there's not a lot of packages that do make sense. And maybe there's some three trade deals that make sense uh, around the wings. Uh, and obviously JJ has been living in Brooklyn for quite a while now like Nick mentioned he has been rumored and the, the Nets have thrown offers at him and he did consider the team seems to me that you know in whether at past this contract you know, maybe if it's 2022 20, i could see you know a jj reddick signing for a vet minimum or a mid-level exception or something but yeah you know i think it's a little bit harder at this current iteration given that he's on two years 25 million dollars with one more year left on it and maybe there is a buyout you know i just saw that uh, brought up somewhere you know if uh, if new orleans and david griffin do decide to take a new direction and and rebuild and, and get rid of the vets and, and build around zion uh, who knows who knows funnier things have happened uh, in the nba but
3: You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national treasures like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash.
1: Uh, We've got another sort of point guard acquisition. Patrick Beverly. To the Brooklyn Nets, and there's a three-team deal here. I'm not going to go through all of it. Basically, Patrick Beverly's on about 10, 11, 12, 13 million dollars. So you'd probably have twin Prince or Spencer DiMity, probably Spencer DiMity to be honest, because you're just getting a not necessarily a like-for-like, but a like-for-like in terms of position upgrade or change. Patrick really obviously a great defender, all defensive caliber, and you know made the all-defensive team this year. Now, in terms of adding a Patrick Beverley and you're subtracting, say, a Spencer, how much does that make sense for the Brooklyn Nets? Uh,
2: it's, it, I think it makes sense in a way. Um, again, I, I want to size up. I'm like, I have a, a real thing with sizing up. I think he makes a lot of sense, though, if you're, if you're just kind of going the route of, like, we should improve this backcourt. I also think you can kind of get a discount version of Patrick Beverley, like mm. in terms of what you're sending out. And, I, and it's weird, like, again, after watching these playoffs and seeing all these teams that have really performed well, I'm, I'm starting to, like, shrink a little bit on how I feel about, oh, they need to have a defensive guard. They need to have a defensive guard. I mean, yes, that helps if you have a point of attack defender, but I don't think it's a must. Like, there weren't, I wasn't sitting here leaving this playoffs being like, wow, Marcus Smart, that's what every <laughs> single team needs. Like, and he was great, like, he really was, but... So I I think it makes sense depending upon what it goes out for. And he's a good player, but I wouldn't want to trade too much for him.
3: Yeah, I think Spencer has more value than Patrick Beverly. So if I'm making that trade, I would want to get a first-round pick back or something like that, or maybe it's part of a bigger deal. And the trade that uh, you posted the link for, Jack, they have Torian Prince in a first-round pick going out. That makes more sense because you're getting rid of Prince's contract and you're bringing a contributor, somebody that kind of fits a defensive need. But like Matt mentioned... Having guard defenders is almost some somewhat worthless at different points because the amount of ball screens you're going to see in the postseason. Like, how many times did they just get Patrick Beverly, you know, off Jamal Murray or off Luca, whatever it might be? It just makes yep. it a little bit less, you know, valuable for your team. And like Matt mentioned, I think adding a wing defender. Like, if you ask me, who's going to provide more ma- value for the Nets next year, Patrick Beverly or adding a guy like Jeremy Grant? Like, Grant is obviously going to be huge because of the versatility he provides. Where Pat Bev is still in my eyes like he's a he's a very
2: good defender but he's still a lot of show like there's more bark than there is actual really really good play. The point you just made about them like the the value of of defensive guards is really important because of the how much screening there is in the game. So you can do I mean we saw a bunch of different things. Miami's a great example. They had their guards kind of sitting in the corners in that yep. zone or you'd use them as like show and recover guys just to slow. So there's ways to work. I think teams are getting smarter and smarter with what they're doing defensively. And it actually, I think, matters a little bit less to have that point of attack, guys. So that's a great point that you just made.
1: Yeah, I think Beverly on paper makes some sense. and. You know, I don't know how much KD likes him, to be honest, with the amount of shit that he gives <laughs> oh, him in the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe that's that's something to consider as well. But, you know, it would make the practices fun for Kyrie Irving, having to be guarded by him. I'm not sure he would necessarily enjoy it either. But, you know, uh, if you were to tell me replace Patrick Beverly with Marcus Smart, oh, boy, oh, boy, Marcus Smart is literally the guy that I would want on this Brooklyn. That's more than anything in terms of his defensive acumen and ability to switch basically one through five the man is like a, a great defender in the post and a great defender on the perimeter and a great point of attack defender and a great one-on-one defender. He's probably one of the best defenders, one of the three, four best defenders in the league when it comes to that versatility. He's absolutely outstanding. Patrick Beverly, like you guys sort of alluded to, has proven and, and you know, has had these massive plays like, you know, against the, the Lakers early in the season, that one play on LeBron... Like to talk a little bit would certainly increase the villainous aspect of this Brooklyn Nets team. Man, there would be so many sound bites. We would just have like sound like a Patreon sound bites for everything that Kyrie Irving, Patrick Beverly, and KD says. Maybe that's what. No, you know what? Patrick Beverly to the Nets, and then we can start a a sound bite Patreon for the Brooklyn Buzz. Let's make it happen. Uh, let's 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 move on to something maybe a bit more reasonable and a bit more alluring. Via the Glue Guys, they posted this one on. I read it a couple of days ago, and I was glad I saw this one. Mm -hmm. And I know Matt was a fan of this one as well, So, but let's get his full thoughts on the buzz. Uh, He was talking about Larry Nance Jr. to the Brooklyn Nets for a first-rounder and Toyin Prince as a package to go back to Cleveland. Matt, what are your thoughts on LNJ coming to BKN?
2: So I think of one thing about Larry Nance and it's that they the the Cavs were actually decently successful it was a small sample but they played him at the three next to I believe it was Drummond and Tristan Thompson and on paper that makes no sense you're like how does that even work but that's <laughs> it sounds Larry like Nance something is.
3: 2k would put out there for like one of your lineups when you're playing my player and they give <laughs> yeah. you like the most random teammates and you're like yo what are you guys doing I-
2: but it worked, and I think a lot of it's that Larry Nance, like, yeah, he may not be the shooter that he was, uh, that I, I think he had a good shooting year this year. He may not be that type of a guy from three, but he makes a lot of sense. Like, he's a real glue guy. He's got a lot of size to him. You can really play him three through five. I mean, when you're talking about guys that I'm looking at this this offseason, like, he's way up there. And I, I don't think that the cost would be that crazy. I, I think he makes a lot of sense next to... KD especially, I mean that's a guy that I think is a really really good, just a really good player, and I've always liked him even back in uh, in in LA. So yeah, man, I'm a big fan. I like this. And, and if they're going to, if it's only going to be a first from this year, sure. Like whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah. And you're getting rid of Torian Prince's contract, which is something the Nets have been kind of looking to do possibly, you know, they might still have some hope in him, but I wouldn't be surprised if they looked to got rid of that this year, especially with the way that the contracts are coming up. And Josiah obviously is willing to pay the tax, but how much is he willing to pay? And I think like Matt mentioned, Larry Nance is a good player. Like he has a lot of aspects of his game where he can have an impact. I like his passing too. Probably one of the better passing bigs in the league, especially in a bench role. So I think you could see him be added to this team. I'm not sure if he would start or he'd be a guy off the bench, but he'd also give you some nice versatility in playing small ball because he can play that small ball five sometimes. You can put him in at the four. He's improved his three-point shooting. Still not super consistent, but something where like, hey, if you give him a couple corner threes, he might hit a few for you. So I'm not opposed to Larry Nance. I don't think he's the best player the Nets could get this year, but I wouldn't be upset if they added him to the roster.
1: No, and I think that you just need to Add value and play, mm. and guys that can play in key playoff rotation minutes. And can Larry Nance Jr. do that? Absolutely. And I think uh, you guys sort of alluded to it, and uh, so did uh, Mike on on the post and wrote it as well in terms of just the versatility that he has. Can have a shot here or there. Has uh, an incredible athleticism. I think he'd be really great in the open court as well. You know, throwing some you know cross court passes. You know, whether it's Spencer or Kyrie or whatever. You know, I just think that he. Gives you both uh, versatility on both ends of the floor, and you know, plays to play the five a little bit. And I also just really we've talked to a little bit about guys and their sort of personalities and how they would fit. Larry Nance just seems like a really cool, chill guy, and yeah. uh, has a, a really awesome personality from from what we know about him and um, the the stuff that he does uh, and says on Twitter, and, and all the stuff that he's done for for different sort of social causes and And things related to him. So, yeah, I'm all about this. And, you know, sometimes you've got to get creative and think outside the box. And, you know, Cleveland, what is their direction? So maybe this is something where probably one of the more realistic trade discussions, uh, player discussions that we've had uh, so far. So, yeah, Larry Nance Jr., let's make it happen. Um, And it's
3: exactly what the Cavs should be doing is like trading Nance and trying to get a first-round pick given their situation. It makes more sense than any other trade we probably talked about in terms of both sides.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, this is an unprompted one that isn't on my doctor. but we'll stay with Cleveland. Tristan Thompson is talking about re-signing with the Cleveland Cavaliers in, in some form or another. If he were to what? take away, <laughs> he's like, you know what? I want to win another championship. I don't care about the money. And he was to be like, I want to go play with Kyrie and, and reunite with my old team teammate from Cleveland. Matt, what would you say to that?
2: I would say, what are you doing, man? <laughs> well, I, I don't get the point. There's so much positional overlap, especially because Kevin Love's probably closer to, like, a five at this point. Um, yeah, that's that's very puzzling. But, I mean, he's he fits great. Like, he fits really well for the Clippers, for, for Brooklyn, if they wanted to go that route. I think he's a really nice fit there, if, of course, they move on from Jared Allen. Um, he fits well for Boston. Like, there's a lot of teams that could use somebody like him, and he's just... He's a he's really like a just a, a lot of energy in a way yeah. that look at how Dwight Howard was for for the Lakers this year like they that's that's what he can bring except I think a little bit more high level. He's a really good player and he can shoot a little bit. Just a little bit here and there. So I'm Yeah, a fan. I
3: think if he's motivated, he's such a different player. When he's playing with that high energy, like Matt mentioned, you know, attacking the offensive boards, we saw him in the finals be really good in switching onto a Steph Curry or a Clay Thompson out there. You know, when the Cleveland was back in the finals. So I think if you could get Tristan, Tristan, and you're getting rid of Jared Allen. That's okay. Like that's a guy that I think would be willing to make those big hustle plays that a championship team needs. And, you know, you could probably get him out. I'd feel better about him in a closing lineup than I would DeAndre Jordan just because he's a little bit more switching than DeAndre. And that might be something you're able to get away with if you sign him. And you don't have to necessarily make that big trade to add a center. But I would probably say at this point he's probably an upgrade over DeAndre. So if we can get him for a backup price, I'd be happy about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, the the, the key thing is is he still dating Chloe? <laughs> That's all we need to know. If he still is, you can stay in Cleveland, my friend. Stay away from the lights of Brooklyn, and yeah, I don't want to necessarily see. I think Kendall has been on like the Nets bench once or twice. I-, I think I've seen that like when Ben Simmons came came to town. Uh, I remember seeing her there. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and you know, you know, the Sixers have obviously had their issues on and off the court. So let's keep away that Kardashian curse from Brooklyn. We've got a- enough things off the court to worry about already. Guys, I've got three Houston Rockets names to throw at you. Um, don't necessarily have packages, but you guys are, are smart enough to sort of figure it out. Robert Covington's on about, you know, 15-ish, 12, to 16 million dollars. PJ Tucker is becoming uh, very close to the end of his contract. Things on about $8 million, a bargain basement contract. And Eric Gordon re-signed for about four years, $76 million. So different contracts and obviously different worth in terms of packages that would go back. But in terms of those three names, Matt, which one stands out to you as being the best Brooklyn Nets fit?
2: Would you do PJ and Robert Covington for Karis?
1: Oh, get
2: spicy with it.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think sh- it's something you consider. I think in terms of like, oh, fit, <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> Covington is I'm not sure there's a guy that fits the Nets better than Robert Covington there's probably like Jonathan Isaac or Jeremy Grant but like Covington and what he did in this postseason and in a smaller offensive role it'd be so ideal the only thing about trading for PJ Tucker is contracts up and I know he's looking for to cash out for his next one so I'm not sure if the Nets are going to do that but if you were able to add both guys your defense just took a major step forward. And obviously Houston got substantially worse. I think adding Karras would give them more offense. But if I'm if I'm Houston, I have Westbrook James Harden, Eric Gordon, Karras Averd, I'm not really intrigued by that deal. I think you'd have to find some type of three-way deal or maybe it's sending Jared down, Spencer Dinwiddie or yeah. something like that. It, it really could help the Nets if Kenny Atkinson's a coach because he's going to value our guys a little bit more than other coaches mm. would too.
1: Yeah,
3: true. He interviewed yeah, with them this week, so...
1: Yeah, we'll have to, I guess, wait and see on that one. Man, coming to Tucker, that's two guys that literally fit the prototype of everything the Nets need as role players. Guys that can play, both of them that they can play at the five. Yeah. <laughs> and that would definitely be closing in, in playoff crunch time uh, and meaningful minutes for the Brooklyn Nets in the postseason, if and hopefully when we are playing there. You know, Robert Covington is a three-point shooter, you know, a defensive player, not necessarily great one-on-one, but an incredible help defender. PJ Tucker, meanwhile, an incredible one-on-one defender. And, you know, when you got DeAndre Jordan in the up of some minutes, he would probably be a little less tired and a little less taxing on his body throughout the, the regular season that he wouldn't have to be playing against the likes of Joel and Embiid for extended minutes and those sort of guys. And I think he would be pretty damn happy with that. Eric Gordon doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I think he's on yeah. a... Downward trajectory of his career, let's put it that way. I think injuries are starting to catch up to him a little bit. Though, when he is on, he is on. I just think the character is a better player at this point in time. So, Matt getting spicy with it. We always love the spice in the Brooklyn buzz, but... Do you guys think that they'll trade Robert Covington? Like, I think they're the
2: team that falls out. That's what I was about to say. Like, if there's any team right now that you're looking at, maybe other than Portland, like, I think that that's the team that I'm looking at to be like, hey, like, what if this really, like, what if that loss to the Lakers was more demoralizing than it even than it even appeared on the court. Like, because what's their upside at this point? I feel like their window's closed.
3: Yeah, I never was really big on the whole Westbrook-Harden pairing and no center type of thing. I felt like it was going to be super tough unless they got into some crazy hot three-point shooting stretch in the postseason. They didn't do that. So it'll be intriguing if they're like, oh, you know what? We actually really need to add a center. And that's where having Jared Allen as a trade ship could really benefit the Nets because that might be enough with maybe Torian Prince to get you Robert Covington and, you know, convince them, hey, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, and maybe the Nets have to throw in a first-round pick in which they don't care about. Houston feels a little bit better about it. They have a young player. Torian Prince, they can tell themselves is a good forward to play out there, and maybe he'll improve his three-point shooting. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think that would be like somewhat of a rash move because they just you know, literally changed their entire team to get Robert Covington last year. But given what Houston's been doing in the past, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah, and maybe they're trying to cut costs as well. and, And Jared Allen is a cheaper option at this point in time. Obviously, you would have to pay him, but you would probably have to pay him less than you paid Clint Capella. You know, yeah. it's almost just like a cheap Clint Capella. And I think that, you know, James Harden has shown that he has a, a nice sort of range and, and a nice sort of versatility to play the pick-and-roll game. I think don't think they've done that enough in Houston since Clint Capella left. And, you know, that two-man game, uh, and, and Jared Allen can really run the floor as well. So, yeah, I think that it, it would make it makes sense. He's from for Texas. He's, he's from Houston as well. So it makes sense for a lot of parties involved. You know, if the Kenny Atkinson was were to go ahead, you know, Tim Fratito, who knows what that man wants to do. You know if he's getting a, a few extra dollars from from donny t maybe he makes uh he wants to keep things going for a little bit or maybe he just wants to throw all the assets out the window because we've seen despite the fact that he said that he wants to pay the luxury tax he hasn't done it yet so i don't yeah. see it necessarily happening I, I would i think that we've probably seen daryl Morey want to do things that he hasn't been given the uh license to do so yet so maybe the nets can pounce on that because joe Sy has said that the nets will pay the luxury tax and you know if it means you know Getting, obviously re-signing Joe Harris to an extended deal and then getting guys the likes of PJ Tucker and and, and, and Robert Cummington, who are on also, Cummington's on a, a below market value deal. Yeah. Um, obviously, you would probably have to re-sign PJ Tucker to something as well, but that's uh, something for Sean Marks and the, the front office to consider. One that blew up Nets and the NBA Twitter in general. My guy, we spoke about him on a previous pod. I think in the off season we're gonna get Paul Headley on the Brooklyn Buzz. I think it'll be a really fun episode. Might get him on JBT as well. But Paul Headley, the deal proposed to the Brooklyn Nets goes Eric Bledsoe and Dante Divincenzo, and to the Milwaukee Bucks Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Matt, does this make any sense for the Brooklyn Nets? Um. No, I, I don't. I
2: mean, I like Paul a lot, but no, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I, I respect him for putting it out here. I just respect anybody that makes fake trades. Like, I don't have the the mental fortitude for that. I just I don't I don't have it. I don't have the, the strength for the quote tweets. I know it's that season. You'll rarely catch me do it. Um, but no, I have a I, hard no, time not responding to people. <laughs> like, yeah, I you know. It's it's too much for me. It's just it's it's a bad it's it's just a bad recipe. Uh but no, I it doesn't make any sense. I don't think personally, um Bledsoe is just not a playoff player and I just I don't want him anything like just I don't want him on a championship roster <laughs> I don't think he fits there. DiVincenzo's fine, but I another guy that I'd be like, Okay, let's see what you look like next year. Um I think you're a really nice nice player, but you know, I mean the three point shot's not there and I just I don't know, you're really bringing in two non-shooters for guys that you just know are good by now. I, I'm just, I'm not into it. Yeah, I'm not
3: into it either, obviously. we Jack and I mentioned a little bit in the past. I'd make an argument if you put Spencer or Karras on the Milwaukee Bucks this season instead of Eric Bledsoe, they probably would have had more postseason success. Yep, just given what. that Bledsoe has no no offensive game when it comes to the postseason. All he can do is drive. And I remember this year his numbers weren't as bad, but I remember talking to Mo DeKiel on an outlet like a couple months ago and him saying like, Eric Bledsoe put up some of the worst rim numbers last season in the postseason. So if he's not giving you any type of offense, what is he doing? Dante DiVincenzo looks like he'll be a nice player, but I'm not even sure he's going to be a long-term starter in the NBA. He seems more of like a bench guy that gives you some nice energy, hits a couple threes, plays some good defense. I'm not trading two fringe all-star players for these guys.
1: The Nets would get the two worst players in this four-player package. So yeah. it makes it doesn't make a lot of sense. The best version of Eric Bledsoe is an all-defensive caliber guard. And you watch him in the regular season. It's just like, I don't know what happens. It seems like the the monsters steal his talent in the postseason because he just loses all ability to create his own shot as a point guard and and run the floor a little bit, take a little bit of the, the burden away from Giannis. Whereas Spencer and Karras can create their own shot. They don't have the defensive ceiling that Eric Bledsoe does. Karis LeVert, we've said time and time again, Zach Lowe, a much smarter mind than all three of us has said it as well, but we're yet to see it and I'm not sure if it's ever going to happen. But Eric Bledsoe as a defender, I get that. Like I, as a, as a pure standalone point of, of just getting a guy who can balance out Kyrie Irving, a la Patrick Beverley, who we spoke about earlier in the episode, Chris Paul as well. But Eric Bledsoe just has such a limited versatile skill set and has done, as Matt alluded to, nothing in the postseason for the past three years. And what the Nets need is guys that can contribute meaningful playoff minutes. And that has been a key sort of point throughout this episode. So, yeah, uh, Paul, we'll get you on the the buzz or JBT soon enough so you can uh, give your reasoning to that one because um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Let's put it that way. All right. Last name I'll throw you at you guys. We've got so many still to go. Wow. Uh, But the last name I'll throw at you is a guy who won the NBA Hustle Player of the Year 2019-20. Montrez Harrell got this one from Nets Reddit. Uh, Matt, does the 2019-20 hustle player of the year have <laughs> any have any uh, room to grow on the Brooklyn Nets in 2020-2021?
2: He sure wasn't hustling versus Nikola Jokic. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, nah, I mean I don't. I don't really. I don't. I'm not into Montrez Harrell at all. I think he's really undisciplined defensively. Um, he's a complete zero outside of three feet. I don't even know who's going to sign him this summer. I almost feel like to, like the Clippers are going to re-sign him just because, I don't know, weird things are happening over there. I I, I zero to do with Montres Hill, like completely zero.
3: Yeah, undersized big, that can't really play the five, doesn't have a three-point shot, and like Matt mentioned, I think a lot of people soured on him in the postseason. Like you make a good argument that if they played Zubak or Jermichael Green more, they might have beaten Denver. Like yep. playing Montrez Harold so many minutes just <laughs> isn't the key. You know what he I mean? He got his and coach fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got fired. Like not even we're not even talking about like some scapegoat coach. We're talking about Doc Rivers here. Yeah. And just imagine putting Kyrie and Montrez Harrell on a pick and roll. Like that's something other teams are going to eat and look to attack. So it doesn't make sense for the Nets to get a big that doesn't have good D.
1: Yeah. Um you have to pay him as well. You have yeah. to pay him. That's what he wants. And I don't even think the Nets could acquire him
3: given the contract he's probably going to get in the whole free agency and sign and trade type of stuff. It'd be very difficult and complicated.
1: It's literally like a lesser version of the old school Lob City DeAndre Jordan. And DeAndre Jordan was a really good, was a pretty good defender, Maybe not really good.
3: No, uh, no he, but, was, he was a good, uh, a couple of years he was up for defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, okay. He was a really good defender under Doc Rivers in the, in the Lob City days. You know, maybe if you're trading DeAndre for Montez, Harold, it makes some sense. Mm-hmm. But even then I think the chemistry fit of, of Doc Rivers, uh, not Doc Rivers, of um of DeAndre Jordan just makes the, the a world of sense. And he's shown that not just with you know the two besties, but he's he's shown it with everyone as a whole. So yeah, uh, wanted to end it there. I don't know how I still have basically a page a page and a bit left of names. Uh, we've got to get Matt back. We've got to get uh, just keep going through these the, the Nets trade extravaganza for the Brooklyn Buzz. Uh, is non-stop and i'm sure other names will pop up if you do have other names that you want to talk about throw them at us at the jman jbt at matt nba or at otg nick the names will be flying and we'll discuss every and every one of them
3: the weird names are actually preferred like if you have some interesting <clears throat> trait that hasn't been thrown out there hit us with it but guys yeah, it was- who is your favorite name that we talked about today if the nets could acquire that one guy that we discussed today who would it be
2: I mean I feel like I'm gonna go so niche here uh I kind of want to say Larry Nance for what you're saying out <laughs> I'm not kidding like that you're not I knew you were gonna much. say it I I just I think he's like such an attainable player and he makes a lot of sense I don't even know if he'd play I mean, I mean he'd be in an eight-man rotation but like he's not playing that many minutes now in all seriousness it's probably gonna be like a Robert Covington but yeah you know what I'll be fun I'll say Larry Nance
1: I like it, nerd NBA Twitter, Matt at his finest. That's yeah. what I want to see. That's what I love to hear. Yeah, I think Covington and Tucker. You know, I've in a previous uh, outlet series of building championship teams, I had P.J. Tucker as my starting five, and I honestly do believe that he just had so much value. And you have him sitting in the corner there. You know, he he doesn't need the ball in his hands at at all. Um, All three of the guys, you know, Nance, Cummington, and Tucker are probably the three. Um, And, and, you know, maybe give me some mantras. Hell, Nah, I'm just joking. Uh, But those three names probably are the ones. If I'm ranking them, I'm going Cummington, Tucker, Nance. Just because Tucker is a more proven commodity, uh, as Matt sort of alluded to, Nance will certainly get some rotation minutes. But have we seen him prove it in, in meaningful time? You know, it is, it is a little bit reductive to say, oh, what have they done in the postseason? What have you done for me lately? But it kind of rings true for a team that has championship aspirations.
3: And one nice thing about P.J. Tucker that's kind of understated is his leadership and his defensive communication. Like, Houston's not the same level defensive team without P.J. Tucker out there kind of shouting and telling people where to go. But my preferred guy would probably be Robert Covington, just given he can give you some offensive pop and then off ball defensively. He just provides so much, especially for guys that are going to need help at different points, you know, for the Nets next year defensively. But that's it for me. As always, you can catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts.
0: For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit grangercom slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.